Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the NBA Front Office Show. It's playoff time. Finally, the playoffs are here today. We get to talk all about it. We are going to break down every series. But before we do, quick reminder, guys, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, help us out. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to this show. And if you're checking this out on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, same thing. Follow us on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe. Ring the notification bell to get notified every time we have a new video coming out. Joining me as always, we've got Keith Smith, the salary cap master. Keith, how are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. It was uh, we took a little bit of time off because we were mm-hmm. covering a million games <laughs> yep. through throughout the bubble, which was was awesome basketball all day. The, these playoffs could not be setting up better for me as an East Coast resident because there's they start just after lunch, so I right. can pretty much eat lunch and then plop on the couch or in the recliner and I'm done for the day. So so it is <laughs> going to be absolutely fantastic. I can't wait. Um, you know, super excited. I'm really proud of the NBA, the Players Association, uh, the players, the the staff, Disney, everybody involved that we got to this point with very little issue, a couple minor hiccups of, of guys doing things they maybe shouldn't have done, but you know, they, they were pretty minor and handled pretty swiftly and, and I don't think we're going to have issues now going forward. And we're, we're getting the playoffs start start uh you know tomorrow's recording this Sunday and and can't wait so I'm excited to break them all down. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you when you look at everything, we look at everything that's been happening, the totality of it of it all, and we're so excited for these matchups to start. But the most important bit that we've been getting on a weekly basis is that big number zero zero yeah. positive case. It's working. The bubble is working, and I, and again. So much credit to the NBA, to Disney for getting this done and making this happen because I think they are providing the blueprint for other leagues and they are setting the the gold standard that everybody else is going to need to follow. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll we'll ultimately see. You know, it sounds like the NHL bubble is going mm-hmm. well. We know the MLS bubble. Yes. Once they got rid of the the two teams that didn't do what they were supposed to do coming into it, right. um, they made those two teams leave. That went off without a hitch. So so it's really gone well i think this is what sports might look like uh next year as well to some extent i yeah. think we're gonna see some form of of bubble it might be multiple bubbles and you know that's kinda, what i'm thinking you know, um you know hubs or kind of how hockey's doing it because i just think that makes it's too much to ask you know a group of guys go one place for you know months and on end right. uh this was really to crown a champion and you know we're gonna get there so let's start breaking it down man yeah let, let's do it um first i guess the the one quick news bit uh, that we wanted to talk about was that amazingly enough in the midst of all of this the uh nba draft lottery is coming yeah up. yes yeah absolutely thursday afternoon so you you guys know we we focus on transactions and front office stuff generally that's not going to be a lot of what we talk but but yeah we, we've got the draft lottery um the only pick that can change hands um of teams that are in the draft lottery is memphis to boston so right now that is the 14th pick the very last lottery pick if memphis jumps up to one through four uh they'll keep it and that pick will roll over unprotected to boston uh in 2021 um the reason it's the pick is actually protected one through six but only one through four is decided by the lottery so so we'll we'll see you know here uh fairly soon you know well what that looks like like, um, you know, in the end, but Thursday, uh, right, right in smack in the middle of the, the playoffs uh, that day at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Thursday, I believe right before, I think the Lakers play at 9. 
mm-hmm. if I if I have my uh, my um, you know schedule here correct. So so yeah, so we're we're gonna find out on Thursday, you know, where everybody lands in the lottery and all that, and then we'll we'll come back after and really start talking that a little bit more in depth and what that means, and I'll have updated cap projections and all those things depending on who moves up and down and uh, you know potentially out entirely if it's Memphis and those mm-hmm. kind of things. Sounds great. It's going to be a blast, and uh, can't can't wait. Can't wait for all of that to get going again, and and we can just immediately start speculating on who the Golden State Warriors are going to trade their pick for. Uh, but yeah, let's dive right, into absolutely. some of these. Let's dive into some of these playoff matchups. Let's start in the Eastern Conference. We're going to work our way with the outside matchups or the the top to bottom matchups, and then work our way towards the middle. Uh, so that means we're starting with the number one seed, the Milwaukee Bucks, taking on your hometown Orlando Magic, Keith. Uh, do the Magic have a chance here? Uh, to what show up and play, or <laughs> they, they don't have a chance to win. No. They, they can't be Milwaukee. Um, I'm going to step all over my prediction here early. This is the this is a sweep. Yeah. Um, I, I can't see the Magic even winning a game. Um, if they had Jonathan Isaac, I think they may have been able to take a game because I think defensively they could have given uh, the Bucks a little bit of trouble. Uh, I think um, we could have seen you know Isaac uh, do some things against. Um, against uh, Giannis defensively that that might have hurt him a little bit um but yeah but they, they just don't have the weapons they, they're not going to be able to score enough they're not going to be able to slow down Milwaukee enough um their their bench is hurt we, we still Aaron Gordon practiced today but we'll see Evan Fournier's banged up the Magic just they, they don't have enough so I know they they do not have a chance I mean, I think the best case scenario out of this is, you know, maybe the Magic win a game, but I'm with you. I would, you know, jumping ahead, I predict a sweep here. But I think for the Magic, it's about, and we'll talk about the Bucks in a minute, but it's it's about finishing on a on a high note more than anything else. Like like you look at the Phoenix Suns over in the Western Conference, like that was a great story for them to go eight and zero. I never would have predicted that, and it's a it's yeah. a disappointment for them that they're not in the playoffs. But at the same time, now they head into the offseason with a little bit of momentum and feeling pretty good about their future. I think that's the end game here for the Orlando Magic. If they can, they know they're probably going to lose, but if they can avoid getting stomped, if they can just have a good showing. I think men, then maybe they can hit the offseason with, with some optimism. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout-out here to my buddy, Felipe Munoz. He's the biggest Magic fan I know. He's one of the only people I know who was born and raised in the Orlando area. Um, very few people are actually from here, so he loves the Magic. And what he told me was I, I, he's he's – generally very optimistic and can talk himself into anything and i was like have you talked yourself into the magic upsetting the bucks yet and his first response was yeah total magic and four and then he goes no i just hope we don't get blown out in all four games (laughs) so that's kind of i think gives you a sense of where things are at if they can keep it competitive and maybe take a game or maybe take a game or two um you know that'd be good i think their best chance is to win game one because i think you know maybe you can catch you know milwaukee sleeping a little bit and let's be honest the bucks haven't looked great in the bubble, no. they, they've really played poorly. I think they went three and five in the bubble. Now, they didn't really have anything to play for. They needed to win like one That's game just to wrap everything up. Right. Um, and we're going to probably repeat that same point when we get to the Lakers later. Mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, they haven't looked very good. So, you know, we'll, we'll ultimately see you know, where it goes. But, yeah, I can't it, – it would be – this would be the upset of all upsets if uh, if the Magic could beat the Bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be huge. This would be – what Denver, Seattle, way back in the day. Um, yeah, this I think is even bigger than that. Even bigger, right? Yeah. This is um, for the for Milwaukee. This is just get in, get the job done, stay healthy, yep. get out. Yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roll, roll it up. Um, you know, get everybody you know feeling mm-hmm. good and ready to go. 
Okay, so let's move on to the next matchup, and that's the the Toronto Raptors and the Brooklyn Nets. The uh, the Nets looked pretty feisty in in a few yeah. games. They almost were very very close to taking out the Portland Trailblazers and knocking them out of that eight seed uh, just a few days ago. But uh, I've been really impressed with this Raptors squad. I think they're they're good. I like the they are the quintessential team that is is greater than the sum of their parts. They find ways to work Perfect. together on the floor, and so I. I would be, I don't want to say the Nets can't win a game, but I would be surprised if the Nets won more than a single game. And I would lean towards thinking this one is going to be a sweep because I think Toronto just plays together so well that they can be really tough to deal with, especially when they're locked in defensively. Yeah, I'm with you. I think um, when you look at the Toronto Raptors, one of my favorite stories of the entire season, the way they have come out and defended Mm -hmm. their championship has been really great to see because they could have when Kawhi left and Danny Green left. There was a path that was very easy to envision where it was, let's trade Kyle Lowry. We'll move on from Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol. Blow it up and tank. Yep, rebuild this thing around Pascal Siakam, and Mm -hmm. he's our guy. And they kind of did that, but kept their guys and stayed good because I think Masai Ujiri and Nick Nurse said, we get something special in Siakam. We know how good he is. Kyle Lowry, proud veteran. He's going to fight. Uh, Gasol, Ibaka, you know, a couple, again, proud veterans. Fred Van Vliet's a pretty good player. OG Ananobi, huge step forward for him. Norman Powell off their bench. They they are just, you know, we're a really good team. I think maybe more than any team in the league, they know exactly who they are. Yes. Um, you know, they're just going to come out. They're going to do their thing. They're going to play hard. They're going to make you really work. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because... I don't want to repeat the same thing I said about Orlando Milwaukee, but if the Nets are going to win one, it's probably game one because that's what Toronto does, right? Is they lose game ones. Um, And then (laughs) usually at home. Um, But then, you know, but the the Nets, you know, they could shock them. Um, You know, I'm going to, I'll go to my prediction right now. I'm picking Toronto in five, just because I think Brooklyn will have a game where they hit a whole bunch of three pointers and Karis LeVert scores, you know, 35, 40 points and they win. Um, And, you know, and there's just nothing Toronto can kind of do about it. But, you know, I just, I can't see, this being much more competitive than that, despite the fact that I love everything the Nets have done in the bubble and how hard they've played. Um, you know, and those guys clearly were fighting to prove next year when Kevin yes. Durant and Kyrie Irving are back and we're expected to be title contenders. We want to be a part of this thing. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's just it. That was great to see them going all out against the Portland Trailblazers the other day. Karis LeVert has been phenomenal. He's been been fantastic. I'm going to say it's a sweep, um, just, and I don't want it to be I can, because I think the Nets have been so feisty, but the difference is the Blazers don't play very much on, on the defensive end of the floor. The Toronto Raptors do. They are very, very good, and all of those names you start listing off on the on the Raptors, Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam and, and all of these guys, Fred Van Vliet, and I look at, at the Nets lineup and I think, okay, who can really defend these guys? And I just think, gosh, nobody. They, they yeah. don't have a lot of good, positive matchups on the net side. So I'm going to say it's a, it's a four Oh sweep in the favor of the Raptors. But again, credit to the nets. They have been feisty. They've been a, a solid squad. And I want to say one thing, Fred Van Vliet, yeah. pretty big playoffs for him. Yes. I know he was good last year. He ended up key um, for them winning the title, but he's a pending free agent and he's one of the better ones on the market. And there are a couple of teams that have cap space that could really use a good lead guard. So if he has really shows out in these playoffs, he could be looking at a massive contract and that gets tricky for Toronto because 
sure you could you could you know not he's not a restricted free agent so you can't match in that sense but i think if they gave him the same offer he'd stay um there but but they're already pretty expensive they're clearly trying to conserve space to make a run at uh maybe Giannis. it sounds like mm-hmm. you know them and about you know 25 other teams <laughs> um, but you know yeah right which we'll talk about a lot probably uh, in future shows but it, it is a big playoffs for van vliet so i'm very curious to see you know ultimately how he does so let's talk a little bit about your Boston Celtics taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. No Ben Simmons. Obviously, that changes the, the dynamic quite a bit. I had the 76ers as my Eastern Conference team that wasn't in the top bunch that was that had the highest ceiling. What is the impact of not having Ben Simmons here? Do the 76ers still have a chance to get in here and really give Boston a run? Or should this just be a dominant Celtics performance? I think they still have a chance because Joel Embiid is probably going to be the best player in the entire series. And it's always hard to pick against the guy when he's the best player in the series. Um, you know, a lot of times that's enough to to win. But I, I think this could be a series where Joel Embiid averages 45 points and 20 rebounds and they lose the series yeah. just because they don't have enough besides him. I also think what you're kind of looking at with Joel Embiid is he might average 45 points but score 40 of them in the first three quarters and then go two for ten with crappy jumpers because he's wiped out and tired yeah. in the fourth quarter. That that happens a lot when he really has to extend himself in the, the first part of games. So so that that's tough. But I think the impact of Simmons, there's two pieces. On the defensive end, it's huge. Because yes. he's you know big, he's tough, he's strong. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. And Boston has all of those pretty similarly sized, good-sized wings in Tatum, Brown, and Hayward. And that's who Simmons would have been guarding, one of those three guys. And taking him out of the mix for that, that makes it tough for them to match up. And then offensively, he is by far and away their best off-the-dribble creator. So they ha- they don't have a lot of guys who can create something out of nothing off the bounce. And that's going to be tough. I, th- I think they might look a lot like a 1990s offense where it's yeah. dumping into the post, hope a double comes, you know, reverse the ball, swing, swing, open jump shot. And I don't know that they have the shooters that I trust to, to play that way. Shake Milton has really helped balance the lineup with his shooting in there. But, but it, I just think the loss of Simmons, it's going to be so hard for them to, you know, make, make, uh, you know, make enough of an impact on both ends of the floor. They need so many guys to step up to replace what they get from him. And that just seems fairly unlikely. Well, now, now the critics, you mentioned that, that you thought Embiid could go for it, and I know you were being, you know, blowing it up a little bit, exaggerating, but 45 and 20 for Joel Embiid. Um, I'm really not can't, exaggerating. But, I really think he could. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm thinking about that. When you said it, I went, oh, there's, there's no way he really, but that's kind of the weak point for the Celtics, isn't it? Is yeah. is in the middle. It's yeah. the center position. Yeah. So, uh, so Joel Embiid could really go nuts here and, uh, and put up some big performances. Uh, what about the wings on the 76ers though? Can they deal with what the Celtics are going to be bringing at them with, with your Hayward and with Tatum and with Jalen Brown are the 76ers even going to be able to handle those guys? Yeah. If Philly starts Al Horford, he has to defend one out of Tatum, Brown and Hayward. Which is and that's not good. Yeah, they're yeah. just going to pull. Al Horford is not the guy he was even last year. You know, he's just not moving the same way. I don't know if it's just age caught up to him or if this knee soreness he's been battling really is, you know, what's slowing him down. But he's just not the same guy. He, he just can't do those things on the perimeter. He can still defend guys like Giannis. 
fairly well because Giannis isn't going to put the ball on the deck and really blow by it. Yo, Tatum, Brown, and Hayward, um, we see Hayward. He's playing great in the bubble. He What he'll do is he'll get the ball. He'll do the LeBron or he'll back it out almost to half court, take right. those three, four dribbles, get downhill, and he'll be right at the rim before you know what happens. And if Embiid has to slide over, he's either going to dump it to the big man or he's going to kick it to a shooter. Brown will do the same thing. Tatum is actually the guy I think Horford can defend the best. Tatum doesn't kill you off the dribble a lot. And if he does, he kills you off the dribble into those step backs and those sidestep jumpers um, versus necessarily getting downhill and going to the rim. Um, so that's the guy. But Brett Brown to this afternoon um, said – he may insert uh, Matisse Thybul into the starting five. Oh. And if he does that, I don't know. You know, there a lot of people seem to think he'll go in there for Shake Milton. Right. I don't know if that's the way he'll go. I think it might be for Horford uh, to balance the lineups a little bit. Excuse me. Um, but I think if it's not, I think what you could ultimately see them do is put um, maybe he goes in for Josh Richardson um, as kind of the surprise move and Richardson comes off the bench. It may be Brett Brown's giving us a whole load of crap and he's not going to do any of those things <laughs> and Thibault comes off the bench. I think here's your problem. Though. You put Thibault in, now you've got kind of the Simmons issue. Is he going to hit enough jump shots? Where mm-hmm. you know, Boston, Boston just won't, They'll put Kemba Walker on him and then they won't defend him. They'll, yeah. they'll let Kemba dive down. He'll dig in to help on the bigs and, and drivers and cutters and all those sorts of things. And and if if Boston loses because Matisse Thibel, you know, hits five three pointers per game and you know shoots fifty percent from the outside, then Boston loses because of that. But yeah, I just I go I'm gonna go all the way back to last year at Summer League, which it feels like now is a million years ago. <laughs> it really does. Um, right? I know. Tell me, right we, we were you know, over a year ago you and I were hanging out together That's watching right. summer league games. But when I go all the way back, I asked a bunch of coaches and scouts, you know, how's Boston going to defend Philly? They're just, they're so small. And they Mm -hmm. gave me some things that Boston could do. But then they, all of them, to a man, came back and said, how's Philly going to defend Boston? Who's Horford going to defend? And and we're still there, right? And and now we're there without Simmons. And that's, I think, the ultimate difference. And the last piece is Philly, it's funny, Boston's path, if, if they're going to make a finals run, which there's some, you know, thought that maybe they will, is going to is likely to be Philadelphia, Toronto, and Milwaukee. All three of the coverage with their Sunday, where they like to drop them back, protect right. the rim at all costs, don't let drivers in. We're going to let you take off the dribble pull-ups um, all the time, you know, whether it be from three or there. Well, that's Kemba Walker's game. He loves yeah. the pull-up jumper. I had a chance to talk to him about that, and he said, that's my whole life. That's been my 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 shot you know off the dribble pull-ups if he's hitting those if tatum's doing it brown hayward that just plays right into the celtics hands and and i think philly has to drop Embiid because of how important he is they can't have him all defending guys at the arc and then risking the foul so so yeah i just i just don't know how they stop boston that's ultimately what it comes down to. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I think Kemba Walker is going to feast. Um, you know, Tobias Harris can do some things in there for, for Philly, and he and he can have his blow-up games. Yeah. I think I think the 76ers are good enough, and they've shown that they will fight through things enough to where I, I've got them winning two games, and I'm hesitant to go that far, but I just respect the fight that we've seen from the 76ers, and I think Joel Embiid is, is good enough to where if he gets some contributions from a few other guys – they could win a couple, but uh, but again, I, I don't see Boston being too taxed with this one. I, I think they'll uh, they'll blow through the 76ers squad. Now, if Ben Simmons was there, we're probably having a little bit different conversation, but Absolutely. unfortunately he's not. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go um, Celtics in five. Okay. I, I'm going to go a little bit different than you. I, I, just think, I just don't know how they stop them. I, I think what you're going to see is um, 
games that are very, very close until about midway through the fourth quarter. And then Boston, just because of their offense, will pull away. And, and I think Embiid's going to be exhausted because he's just going to have to do so much just to keep them in in these games. But, you know, I respect him enough that, you know, maybe he has that 50-point game. Tobias Harris, I think, is the key yep. for Philly. If he doesn't score 20, 25 points per night and do it efficiently – they, they don't have a chance. No. They, they they absolutely need him to step up and be huge. And then the rest of the guys just kind of need to do what they do, You know, again, counting on Embiid getting his. But I think Boston's going to let Embiid do his thing, uh, wear himself out, shut everybody else down, and, and on we go. Okay, let's talk Pacers and Miami Heat. This one, every you know, as we move towards the middle, the matchups are going to start getting closer and closer and closer. This is a tough one. The Pacers and, and the Heat, uh, these are two teams that that played really well all season long. You've got Victor Oladipo coming back. Um, Goran Dragic has, has still shown the ability to get in there and blow up and score the basketball uh, for Miami. I don't know, Keith. This is this is this might be the toughest matchup. Definitely the toughest matchup in the Eastern Conference for me to call. Might be the toughest matchup period for me to call at this point. Uh, it's right there for me. We'll, we'll get to one in the West that I think is a little, little trickier, but okay. um, for me at least. But yeah, I, I would feel a lot better about Indiana if they had Demonis Sabonis. Yeah. That's I know that's very easy to say, but but they're, they're not going to probably for the entire series, at least for the very beginning. Um, as far as I understand, he's still not even back in the bubble. Um, he's still seeking treatment. I believe he was in L.A. Um, working with a doctor to to get treatment out there. Um, and I'd feel a lot better if Victor Oladipo was Victor Oladipo. Yeah, you know he just he he. There's times when it looks like the mind is willing and the body necessarily isn't, um, which I, I think these games are important for him because this allows him to go into next year kind of, um, you know, with confidence that, hey, I feel good. I can do this. But but I just I think they're going to struggle. I just I can't I, I don't know how they're going to score enough on Miami unless T.J. Warren, you know, plays completely out of his mind, which he's or been doing. Depo steps up. TJ Warren has been doing that, but then Jimmy Butler shut him down the other day. Yeah, that's true. When they went head to head, and we know those two guys have have their own thing. <laughs> Even though I think Jimmy Butler today said that's dead, like it's it's not a thing anymore. Mm, yeah, right. Jimmy Butler's never let it go. No, once once life. once the ball is in, is in play, then we'll see how dead that yeah. really is. Yeah, J- Jimmy Butler's got that Michael Jordan attitude of uh, you know, and I took that personally. Yes. You know, just like the memes are out there. But um, you know, I think um. He, here's where I'm going to hedge, though, a little. Okay. If Oladipo can be Oladipo, they have attack points because what they'll do is they'll go after Duncan Robinson. They're going to make him defend, and the, the Heat are not going to be able to hide him. They, they'll they'll try to hide him in their zone a little bit, but I think uh, Indiana can shoot it a little too well um, for them to zone too, too often, especially if they go with Warren at the five or at not at the five at the four. Um, I was going to say that that's super um, small. <laughs> yeah. Not at the five. No, I, that was, a, that was a Freudian slip there. Um, but yeah, if they go with um, Warren at the four mm-hmm. and they put like Justin holiday in there, or Doug McDermott, it, they become a lot harder to zone. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, I think holiday and McDermott are going to be very key for the Pacers to keep this really competitive. I just trust in Miami's guys a little bit more in Butler to make plays at the end of games. I think um, Goran Dragic, who you mentioned, has been really, really good. I, he's he's one of my favorite players in the whole league. I just love watching him him play. He's just so damn crafty, yes. you know. At this point in his career, it's it's funny because he is left handed, but he reminds me of like the baseball, like the crafty lefty <laughs> who just kind of you know he doesn't throw in the you know high. 
90s, but he just kind of moves the ball and, you know, does his thing, you know, hits the corners and those kind of things. That's how Dragic is. And then Bam Adebayo is just awesome. Yes. You know, he's just a you know, force on both ends. So, yeah, I've got Miami in six um, because I think the Pacers will hit enough shots in a couple games to keep it really competitive. But I just think the Heat are that much uh, deeper and better of a team. Can, do, you, do you think Miles Turner can deal with Bam Adebayo or is Bam just going to run over him? Can he? Yes, I don't think he yeah. will. Um, I, I, I'm not a big Miles Turner guy. I think that's you know, the key I, matchup I, I just, too for for me at least at least one of them. I brought, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that. I think everybody's going to focus on Butler mm-hmm. versus Warren, right? Yes. That's where everybody wants to go to. But I'm with you. I think that one is very important for Indiana. They need Turner to hit shots, you know, and they need him to pull out a bio away from the rim. If he can do that, that changes things big time. But I think he when he is the only big. He struggles more than when Sabonis is there to kind of help him mm-hmm. um, with that, and I just I worry about his his ability. And then if anything happens, they just they don't have anything behind him. You know, their their big man depth is kind of junk. It's it's really not very good. So so that's what I'm you know I'm a little worried about. I I can, can't you envision like Adebayo puts him on the bench with two fouls yes. in the first five minutes of the game. You know, and then, you know, then what do you do? You're going to Goga Batadze and, you know, other just guys who shouldn't be probably playing in playoff right. series. And that that gets really hard. So that's 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 what I worry about about there. But I, I, I like Indiana. I think they're tough. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, you know, seems pretty healthy. Mm-hmm. So I think he has a chance to have a, have a pretty good impact there. I worry about the heat. Um, if it's not Butler and Dragic late in games, who's creating offense? For Miami, if they can, if Indiana can really key their defense the right way, you can make it hard on the Heat to score. That's when they lose games. It is when teams you know lock in on them uh, that way, so that that gets a little tricky. But yeah, I I don't know. I just like Miami enough more. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. I I think that this one's going to wind up. I I believe that the Heat are also going to win, but I'm going to say it goes seven. I think that right. I think that the Pacers have enough shooting. Particularly, I love that lineup that you mentioned with T.J. Warren at the four. I think they've got enough shooting to uh, to really put some some problems up for the Miami Heat. So, uh, but again, I like this Heat team. I think they're going to come through. But and maybe this is the optimistic fan in me. But I'm going to say this one. This one goes seven. Um, let's jump over. Who doesn't love games? Exactly. Seven, right? Exactly. Love if we're predicting all of these other games are going to be, or other series are going to be just about blowouts or five, one or, or whatever. Give me one, give me one going seven games. Yeah, right. Right. So I had to predict one of them in there. Let's jump over to the Western conference. We'll start with my Lakers taking on the Portland trailblazers. The one team that the Lakers didn't really want to see has made it through a couple of close games at the very end there. This is uh, for the Blazers, and Damian Lillard has been an absolute flamethrower. I think this is going to be, outside of the you know, nerve-wracking for the Lakers and everything, I think this is this series is going to be a ton of fun seeing LeBron and Anthony Davis trade blows with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, the battle of the bigs inside with Yusuf Nurkic battling against Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. You've got the Carmelo Anthony factor out there and the Banana Boat crew and, and all of that. I think this, this series is going to be an absolute blast. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is... Um... Maybe outside of Clippers, Mavericks, it's probably the most fun mm-hmm. uh, series in the first round. I just, you know, I think, I think you're going to get a lot of fireworks. Um, I, I, 
And no, every like there's been so much. You know, Portland's going to win, and I think Charles Barkley picked yeah. them to go to the finals, maybe <laughs> or, or something. And that was before they had even were in the playing right. game. You know, so that was you know that was. I mean, kudos to him. Who knows? I guess. And I think um, you know I go back to something Brad Stevens said before they played him in the bubble. Um, he said this isn't the ninth seeded Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Like this is a different yeah. team. They've got Yusuf Nurkic now. They're, they're just you know they they are a very different team. And you know, and, and Damian Lillard. I mean, look at what this guy's done. <laughs> Incredible. These games, you just you know jump on my back, and CJ McCollum and Mellow's making big shots, and you know Nurkic. I mean, just well, what a monster! And you know, uh, you know, all uh, condolences to him and his family and the loss of his grandmother. Yes. Um, but you know, what an effort! You know, on the same day, you know that he came out and just you know what do you have seventeen rebounds at halftime or whatever <laughs> it was, and it was just absolutely dominant in the game where they had to play. Tell me, guys, what I worry about for Portland is the same thing I always worry when you're going up against LeBron is. Um, you got to have depth to throw at LeBron. I don't even know that they have the first. No, they don't. They don't. I mean, LeBron. it's going to be Carmelo Anthony, right? He's probably going to be the first it's defender on LeBron happen. James. Yeah. yeah. And oh my goodness, in, in, that that's that's scary. Maybe, maybe um, that doesn't work out too bad because maybe you get the whole deal where right LeBron kind of likes to get his other guys mm-hmm. going first. True. In games, you know, a lot of times he'll have, you know, kind of slow scoring first quarters. Um, but then, you know, the, the the Celtics guy in me remembers him, you know, coming out like a damn, you know, assassin machine robot <laughs> right. and just locking in and murdering Boston in the first quarter in that game six. Uh, that one year where, where he just never cracked a smile and I don't think sweat the entire time doing it. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe he comes out there and is like, let's make sure we remember why Melo was not on a team mm-hmm. most of the season and, you know, wants to bury him. Um, but, yeah, it, it, their best guy's probably Gary Trent Jr. You know, I, I think maybe Wenyan Gabriel gets a little chance. Uh, you know, LeBron uh, nemesis Mario Hazonia. That's right. Gets, gets, gets thrown on him there to do, do something. But, yeah, that's, that's the difference for me. I think Portland keeps all these games close. Because I don't think the Lakers can defend Lillard and McCollum at no. all. I, I don't, you know, maybe KCP can do something against one of them, but that's the best hope you have. Um, there, This is actually another spot where I think they, they miss Rondo. Some, I think Rondo would have been able to help a little bit defensively here, but but I just, I think in the end of the game, it's you're just going to give it to LeBron and let him do his thing. You know, and he's just going to either, he's going to score, he's going to make plays. For other guys and set them up. Hey, Keith, I, the Rondo thing, I, I got to mention this because Rondo is rated as the worst defender on the Lakers. I've been watching him all season. And he's been he's been bad. But I, but I, I get where you're going. You're banking on playoff Rondo being a thing. And we have seen some performances where he turns back the clock. And so you're, you're right there. Like missing him could be a, a, a factor. I think missing Avery Bradley is the biggest thing here. because you, That's a clear. Yes. Yeah, without a doubt. Because you don't have yeah. him to put on those guys. That's going to be rough. KCP has not been very good defensively for a couple of years now. So he's going to be yeah. in for a rough night. Danny Green is going to have to step up as well. But, uh, but I'll tell you what. I think the one guy that is the X factor for the Lakers in this series, and probably the X factor for the Lakers in general, is Kyle Kuzma. If he can come in yeah. and make an impact the way he's been playing over the course of the, the season in the bubble, uh, he can make a big, big difference. And I think he can be that differentiator between the Blazers with the, all the scoring punch that they've got and the Lakers squad that has scoring punch as well, but uh, but can defend, I think, at a little bit higher level. And then Kuzma, I think, can can bump up your ceiling. So that's the, the way that I see it playing out. Um, 
It's going to be a fun one. I think ultimately it comes down to the Lakers defense being a little bit better than the Blazers defense. But then again, the Lakers, like Milwaukee, have not looked good in the bubble. So it could be a bit bumpy early on. Yeah, that I I always wonder, you know, and this goes back to LeBron teams in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. How much do they care about these last, really, these were essentially the last couple weeks of the regular season. You know, if everything's clinched up and you feel confident about where you're at, what do you care yeah. But I think that was kind of a little bit of the approach. I um, I think they have just a number of guys they can throw at Yusuf Nurkic, too, because you can put McGee on him, you can put Howard on him, you can throw uh, Markeith Morris on him if you have to in smaller lineups. Anthony Davis will clearly get his chances there. And, you know, maybe even Kuzma, that's probably not ideal, but but if the Blazers are playing a little bit bigger um, with Whiteside next to him, you can throw those guys at him, and that's going to be – be, I think that that's going to be key. You need to you get him out there. And then the Lakers, I mean, LeBron, he's, you know, arguably the smartest player, you know, in the game still, you know, he's going to, the minute Hassan Whiteside comes on the floor, he's going to be like, let's just pick and roll this guy pick to him death yep. and get him out of the game. And we're just going to kill him. And, you know, there's going to be nothing left. And it's, it's, I mean, it was embarrassing the way he played against Memphis. I just, you know, and that's where if Nurkic has to play 35, 40 minutes a night, in this series for Portland to be competitive, I don't know if he's going to have enough left late in games or, you know, by the time he gets to game five or six. So I'm going with the Lakers in six just because the Blazers, I don't want to pick against Dame to do anything less. Um, You know, yeah. I just think, you know, there might be, I mean, as weird as it sounds exaggerating again, like I kind of did with Joel Embiid, but he did it. So it's not. Like he could score fifty or sixty points in a couple games and almost win it by himself. Yeah. So that's where you know I, I think that could very easily happen just because I don't like the guys the Lakers can put on them. And then I do wonder, Laker, you're the Lakers guy. Do you put LeBron on him at the end of games and say you got to take you, you got to take him out? Yeah. You got to do your thing. Yeah. No, I think you do. I don't think that we, I don't think it's going to be like LeBron on Derrick Rose years ago, where where mm-hmm. Rose is cooking and then suddenly LeBron gets on him and shuts him down. I, I don't think you're going to see that because this is 35 year old LeBron James. But I do think in yeah. crunch time, if if Vogel doesn't put him on him, I think LeBron is going to say, "Put me on him," and he's going to want that that assignment. If Vogel so I would not put be surprised. Him on him, LeBron's going to go on him anyway because he's just yeah. going to grab whoever's supposed to be defending him and throw the guy on. Yeah, he's going to say, no, uh, he's mine. Mello or taking. whoever, yeah. And, and you're right. And the other challenge with Dame, too, is, I mean, the dude's pulling up from the freaking half-court logo. Like, you he's have like to pick Steph him up the Curry second he jumpers. crosses the court. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's half-court. the other thing. you can't Because I've seen people like, we'll put LeBron on him from the beginning of the game. Can't do that. I mean, burn him LeBron out. is... Get it. LeBron is LeBron, but you wear him out and he's going to do so much playmaking for the Lakers, you know, offensively. That's you know, the tough part. But yeah, Lakers and six. That's my pick. And uh, and I'm right there with you. I'm also going to say Lakers, Lakers and six. And I do want to finish with this. I think fatigue is going to be a factor in this series. The Blazers have been playing the last nine games as do or die. Damian Lillard is averaging 42 minutes. CJ McCollum has a lower back fracture, averaging 41 minutes. I think that is going to catch up to the Blazers. And so I do say Lakers in six in this one, but it's a much more, it's a much closer matchup than a standard one to eight seed. And so that's unfortunate for the Lakers, but for the NBA, I think it'll, it'll create some pretty dramatic games. Uh, Let's move on to the Clippers Clippers at the two seed, taking on the Dallas Mavericks at the seven seed. 
I'm interested in this matchup because the Mavs offense is just so good. They're so potent. They do such a great job. Luka obviously is phenomenal. Does such a great job at getting into the paint, kicking out, finding open shooters. You've got uh, you've got Seth Her- Seth Curry. You've got uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been knocking him down. You can kick the ball out to these guys, and they can light you up from deep. And I think that's what's going to keep them in this thing. I'm not saying they're going to win it. But I think the Mavs can give the Clippers a little bit more trouble than most people are giving them credit for. Yeah, I'm with you. The, the Mavericks just, if you know, people haven't been really following the most efficient offense in NBA history. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, there's a lot of case to be made. This is the best offensive team we've ever seen in the NBA. And that's all driven by Luka, right? He does everything for this team as far as, you know, scoring and playmaking and all the things he does. Um, he's not a super efficient shooter. But because he makes enough of them, you have to defend him. You know, again, another guy, you got to pick him up. The minute he comes over half court. My favorite thing he does, he does this with Tim Hardaway Jr. all the time. It's like when a quarterback throws to a spot and then the receiver is just there. Like he does that with Hardaway all the time. He'll drive and throw a pass and it looks like he's throwing it out of bounds. And then there's Hardaway to catch it for a wide open jumper. And it's like that that wasn't there. Like how did this happen? You know, and like he just sees these passing angles that are unreal. Um, You know, so yeah. and, And I think Porzingis can really give the Clippers a ton of trouble. Um, they don't have a big who can, I think, can really defend him. I, I think they're going to have a hard hard time, you know, matching up with him. I just worry that the Clippers have a wave of guys they can put on Luka, mm-hmm. you know, and they're going to clearly put Kawhi on him at the end of games. Yes. And if they shut that down, then what do you have? That's game over. What are you going to do? There's just, I mean, Kawhi is the single best defensive player in the entire NBA. Um, If you needed to pick one guy to get you a stop, you're picking Kawhi Leonard. And I think, you know, that's the the problem is can can they do enough? But but I think, you know, beyond that, they can score enough to keep it interesting and, um, you know, make, make it good. And also the Clippers, they didn't get to use these eight seeding games to figure out who the hell they are. They, mm-hmm. they still don't know, you know. They they I don't. They still haven't played any games with all their guys together, you know. And I think they were really looking get in these get into the bubble. We're going to use these eight games to figure out rotations and lineups and all these things. And they did not get a chance to do that. Yeah, and and that's going to be an issue for them. They're not going to have that chemistry built in. Whereas the Mavs, I feel like do like you like you mentioned when you're throwing passes to a spot rather than to a player, you know that's a team that's got chemistry. They've got trust. Yeah. The Clippers don't have that, but ultimately the top end talent of the Clippers is just it's it's beyond anything that the Mavs can can come close to matching. You've got uh, like you said, you could throw Kawhi at at Luca. You can throw uh, it could be Marcus Morris. You can throw Paul George at him. You've got guys coming in off the bench that can do it. And then of course you've got in crunch time you've got another scorer that could come on the floor in Lou Williams and he can just be absolutely working his magic city and can be um (laughs) you like that and uh and he can he can light you up though you let him go left and it's a bucket so that's uh that's going to be a challenge I, I do wonder if you are if you're the Clippers are you taking like a Montrez Harrell and sticking him on on Porzingis is that your your best bet to deal with Kristaps yeah, probably not. Or do you go game. small I think when he comes in off the bench? Sure, yeah. but I, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll start. Um, I think they'll do that. I think Jamichael Green because mm-hmm. he's a little more mobile out on the perimeter. I think he has a chance. I think uh, Marcus Morris because Porzingis isn't going to kill you by going inside. He's not going to post right. you up. I mean, Boston defended him with Marcus Smart, and that's almost that's a full foot difference in height. And, and Smart, 
you know, did great against them. Um, but I, I think so. I think you're more concerned about kind of getting up in underneath them when he's, you know, outside or in the mid range. And then that's where I think you need to be a little more mobile. Um, so, yeah, maybe Harrell gets a shot. What I'm worried about is, is how does Dallas keep Harrell off the boards? You know, I think he might mm-hmm. go to those go to the offensive glass and just terrorize them. And I think he's going to come back. It's funny because people are like, well, you know, he's been out the whole time. And, you know, is he going to be ready to play and all these things? All Montrose Harrell does is run around and play with Henry. They don't run plays for him. No. They don't do anything. You know, maybe they have two plays in the playbook to get him a lob. You he know, runs the pick it. and roll and it's does it very well, but that's and, it. And, yep, and rim runs. And then, you know, eats off offensive glass and energy. And after not playing for months because he hasn't played in the bubble so what he's he's five months since he's played i think he's gonna come out and be by it wouldn't surprise me if he commits like four or five fouls in the first half of game one because he's just all over the place like a maniac mm-hmm. but i think he's gonna be re- a real handful and it's ultimately in the end yeah it's the top end talent and then the clippers depth that that's gonna overwhelm them that's why i'm picking clippers in five um i wanted to pick it to go a little closer I just think it's going to be – this is another one. I think going to be super close through three quarters, and then the Clippers are going to lock in defensively, take Luka away, make it really hard on Dallas, and they'll pull away in these games. But I respect the Mavs and the Mavs offense too much to pick a sweep. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that one. I also have Clippers in five, and it's not uh, its not so much that I don't think these games are going to be close because I think they will be, but I think when it comes time to win the game – the Clippers are going to be able to get that done, even though it's going to be uh, going to be close. It's going to be a lot of fun watching Luca out yeah. there uh, performing. They, he, you know, they've got some great talent. But uh, you mentioned the rebounding. I think that's going to be a big, big problem for the Mavs. The Clippers are one of the better rebounding teams in the NBA, so I would expect them to get it done. All right, let's talk a little bit about the three-six matchup: the Denver Nuggets and the Utah Jazz. Uh, we know Mike Conley just left the bubble, birth of a of a child. What do you think about this this matchup? I think it's a, it's pretty interesting. Two fairly traditional teams in terms of their style with their uh, with their traditional centers don't run a ton of small ball, but um, I well we'll dig into it. But I feel like Denver's got the advantage here. Yeah, I do too. The only thing I worry about with Denver is Will Barton and Gary Harris. Are they going to be able yes. to play? You know, they haven't played yet in the bubble. We'll see. Um, but without Mike Conley, Utah just does not have enough offense. They again, Conley was playing great. You know, and he's going to miss probably three games. There's been some talk maybe he'll miss only two, um, but it sounds like he's probably going to miss three games. That they unfortunately they open t- tomorrow, uh, very first game of the playoffs. So so that's that's working against them a little bit there. So you know, if they had that kind of extra day, I think that would have been would have been better for them but but yeah they, i just they i just i don't see how they score enough you know and in um in in denver such a good offense you have to score points otherwise you're going to struggle and I, and I love donovan mitchell but there's so much on his shoulders mm-hmm. you know clearly Boyan bogdanovich isn't there um you know i i just don't i don't know but you know if denver doesn't have harris and barton you know maybe mitchell can really get on track and and get going you know and do do his thing there but but I don't know. I mean, I think Jokic is about as bad a matchup for Gobert as you can have because he'll be content to just live out around the top of the arc and he'll really play point guard and pick you apart from out there while you know continuing to pull Gobert away from the rim and right. open up things inside and cutters and Michael Porter Jr. You know, complete revelation for the Nuggets. I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks in the starting five. Even yeah, if I wouldn't back. either. 
when you put Barton back into that six man role, which is what he historically had been, and you know was a great six man for a long time, you know that that'll be interesting to see. But but yeah, I just I don't know. I was very interested in this one, and then when it was, we knew Conley was leaving at some point, and when it broke that it was going to happen already. I mean, and I'm not no criticism at all. 100% no, 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 the right decision. All. You know, right. these guys needed family first in all things, but. You know, I, I just I don't see how Utah even really makes it a series. Yeah, look, I, I think that the the Nuggets were extremely fortunate that Utah wound up being the team in that sixth seed. If they were looking at the Rockets, if they were looking at Oklahoma City, I would say yeah. there was a pretty decent shot at, at an upset occurring. But yeah. as is with it being the Jazz without Conley, without Bogdanovich, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't see a way that Utah is going to going to come away in the end with the with the W. So I only have this one going five with with Conley gone because I think Denver's that good. I think that uh, they have the ability to exploit some of the weaknesses that that Utah has. And uh, yeah, I, I've got the Denver Nuggets breezing through this. And and again, like I said, I think they they lucked out maybe more than just about any other team with their draw because they could have been in some trouble had a number of other teams been in that slot. I think they read read the board right, right? For second yep. year in a row, they played seeding shenanigans, and and they didn't push too hard to go up to two because they didn't want to play Dallas. They no. they would have really think struggled uh, to to shut down the Mavericks. They just don't have the defenders to pull it off. So yeah, I'm with you. I picked five two, and it's mostly that's because I I really unless I think it's a complete you know blowout mismatch. I don't like to pick sweeps because I just I don't know. I always feel like the the lower seeded team's always gonna get at least one. And right. maybe I have some residual holdover of like, well, with home court and all those kind of things. Um, you know, this is a great point for y'all you know, bring up. Um, you know, two of the best home court advantages in, in the league, Denver and Utah. Neither one of them has that uh this time around. And you know, and I think one of the things I was talking to coaches, and this was at the very start of this whole thing, and, and I had a couple different coaches say, say very similar ways, worried about if your team falls behind 2-0 and you're the lower seed, you don't even have the whole, well, we're going back home, we'll get back right. at home kind yeah. of thing. They're worried their guys are going to start to look at it and say, man, I've been gone a month, month and a half. I'm ready to go home, like truly go home. Yo, and you just you're not going to get that effort. You fall down three one, same kind of thing. Is you know what's the point to fight back in it if you really don't think you can truly win the series? And that's that's what I'm worried about with uh with with Utah. It's you know I just I just don't think they have the horses. So I'm in the same place as you. Nuggets in five. Well, I certainly hope that's not the case. That that teams just kind of say, okay, well, we're not going to make this happen. Yeah. Uh, because that I, I want to see good basketball, and so I, do I don't want to see a lot of blowouts and things like that. Um, all right, let's let's go to. I think this one is going to be a really difficult matchup to call. The four or five, the Houston Rockets, Oklahoma City Thunder. Oh man, I mean, I wish I wish these games were being played in Houston and in Oklahoma City because you've got the Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook dynamic <laughs> yeah. taking place. Like to have those crowds there to witness that would have been great, but still you're going to get that drama. Um, it, it's an interesting matchup like Denver and Utah. I look at those two, two teams and I think, okay, in terms of how they line up, they both play a fairly traditional style as far as having the true big in there that they're going to play off of and, and having your point guard and your two guard and all those things. The Rockets play weird. The Rockets are, have their 6-7 and under lineup. Meanwhile, the Thunder, a lot of their success comes down to Steven Adams. How much can he stay on the floor, though, if the Rockets are running and gunning? Uh, this matchup is going to be really tough to call, and it all comes down to which team 
is able to enforce their will and play their style. And I don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah, I don't either. Um, I, I This is the one, I know we talked Indiana-Miami. This is the mm-hmm. one that I, I'm having the hardest time with. And I keep going back and forth and going back and forth. If Russell Westbrook was definitely healthy and playing the first couple games, I think I might feel a little more like Houston in six. But but I just, you know, but knowing he's probably going to miss a couple games, I think this is going to be a seven-game series. I think these teams match up really well um, together. You know, outside of Adams, um, OKC doesn't play overly big. No. You know, uh, Danilo Gallinari, he's not, he's not a big forward by any means. He is, um, you know, he play, plays more, you know, like a perimeter player in a, in a wing. Um, so I th- think it's, I think they actually can match up with Houston okay. I think Adams, he'll be stretched because he's going to have to chase Tucker out to the corners and those kind of things. But I think Adams is used to doing some of that anyway, and I think he's fairly, you know, able to do that. So so we'll see. I do worry if um, if OKC has to go small, how do they, do, who do they match up because they don't really have that four to, to right. plug in as a, as a five. Um, you know, in that maybe Darius uh, um, Baisley comes in and mm-hmm. becomes that kind of guy um, for them, and he becomes almost the backup five. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. He's played really well in the bubble and can do you know a lot of interesting things. Their three guard group with Paul um, SGA and uh, Schroeder really is going to be really tough. Dennis Schroeder, for those who didn't know, he is back now. He played in their final seeding game, so he's back from the birth of his child. Um, so he's back in the bubble and ready to go. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really close, competitive series. What I'll say about Houston is missing Westbrook is big. But I think yeah. the Rockets, more than maybe any other team, are built to play without him. Because I think what you do is you just give the ball to Harden more. Yeah, and you, you that's, kinda that's play it. the way you were previous right you give it to Harden more Eric Gordon's back now and looks pretty good you give it to Harden you know hey go out there and get it done you know go go you know get a bunch of points you know make a bunch of great passes and set everybody up and and off we go I'm curious to see who they go with as a fifth starter I'm gonna guess maybe they go you know um with Austin Rivers just to match up a little bit better maybe they go with Jeff Green they've been kind of playing back and forth with those things so that's going to be kind of fun to, to keep an eye on but yeah I'm hopeful Russ is back sooner rather than later and, and I, I'm not going to count him out because I mean this with all the love in the world but Russ is a maniac so you know if he if he's back you know misses one game it wouldn't surprise me but, but yeah the, this one this one's tough it's a really good matchup I, I think you're right as far as the Westbrook and Harden dynamic you see them almost like taking turns on the yeah. floor because really what they do is they 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 play iso ball. It's what it yeah. is. They isolate yeah. Harden, they isolate Westbrook, and they let them go one-on-one, and they just kind of trade off. So if Westbrook's not there, obviously it hurts, but it doesn't hurt quite as much because it's not like Harden is relying on Westbrook to get his open looks or vice versa. They yeah. can do it. They can go it alone and be just fine. Um, I, I think that's going to be a big part of this is how much can James Harden do? Is he going to get worn out? going by himself just about every single time down the floor. I think the answer is no. I think he's going to be just fine. And uh, and, and I've got the Rockets. Off. That, that's what makes yes, the difference. exactly. There, right? I think if, if we had played this out and got to this matchup in, in April like we should have, mm-hmm. I – I would, I'd be there and I'd be like, Harden's not going to have enough left. And they're just going right. to, you know, make him work too hard. But because he had all those months off, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be okay. 
Um, I do think OKC has the talent to get some wins in there. I do wonder how effective they can be when they're not able to put Steven Adams out there on the floor. They're going to have to figure out a way to work around that. But Danilo Gallinari is better, I think, that a lot of people give him credit for. He's kind of the forgotten oh, guy there. And I think, I think that this is going to be, as much as we're going to focus on Chris Paul, and rightly so, I think we're going to see the Shea Gilgis-Alexander coming out party in this series. And this is going to be... Sometimes it takes getting that national spotlight for a player to really start to pop in terms of the national consciousness. I think that's the this is the moment for Gilgis Alexander where people are going to find out just how good he is. But that being said, I've got Rockets in seven. That's where I am, Rockets in seven. I went the same same way as you. I just I trust Harden a little bit more to to get it done. I think he's had a chance to you know really get himself in fantastic shape, and you know while also uh, still getting rest that was very needed over the span of you know uh, months. So yeah, I'm, I'm Rockets in seven as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's you know I think it's going to be you know really fantastic uh, series. Let me ask you something though, Lakers yeah. guy. You get the winner of this because we both picked the Lakers to win. Does it really worry you either one of these teams in that second round? Just because you're gonna you're gonna have to chase Lillard and McCollum around for you know a series. Now you're gonna have to go against these two. I call them nonsense you know lineups, <laughs> but you know that's kind of what they are. Where it's like, what is this? You know, kind of groupings and those kind of things. Like, where are you at as a Lakers fan on that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely concerned. Uh, and I think I'm more concerned with the Rockets than the Thunder. I think I would rather see the Thunder be there because uh, they do tend to run that traditional big, which I think the Lakers yeah. have an easier time with Lakers. because yeah. so much of their defense, the Lakers, has been having those bigs at the rim, having Dwight Howard, having JaVale, and Steven Adams isn't going to pull them out to the three-point line. So that's been uh, so that obviously would be preferable to the Rockets where you can't even play JaVale McGee, you can't play Dwight Howard because every guy on their team is going to be shooting threes and is going to pull them away from the rim anyway. So yeah, I think there's definite concern there. And I think if you're looking at the Lakers path, it's it's just about worst case scenario to have to go Portland, Houston, Clippers, and then say Milwaukee or Toronto, whoever gets through. That's probably the path of, of most resistance. So that uh, that is an ideal, and I'm, I'm certainly concerned about it. But again, um, I think it's going to lead to some fun basketball. I think this series is going to be great, and I think we're going to see Chris Paul take over a game or two and uh, and show that he's still got it. 100%. Yeah, he's going to, you know, Chris Paul, I mean, his guy's just so damn fun to watch. Yep. I mean, he, he just controls games. You No matter what style you want to play you're playing what chris paul wants you to play yep. he wants to play slow you're going to play slow if he wants to speed it up you're going to play fast it's just there's just nothing you can do you know to to you know get him out of whatever type of game he wants to play and that's going to be it but yeah one, one last thing thinking about the lakers because i know we're gonna you know make some predictions for the rest of the way here right. now is um there's no 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 uh, Eastern Conference walk to the finals for LeBron <laughs> this year. You know he's a, well, whatever if they get there he's going to have earned it. It's uh, it's going to be tough. So so let's go there. What well, what is your finals? What, what's your okay? Pick? So as you were just saying, this is different. Like even thinking back to the Lakers of say the early two thousands, right? The two thousand two thousand one two thousand two when the Lakers were getting to the finals and they were meeting. Uh, you know, the Pacers were, were an okay team, but they're meeting the 76ers, they're meeting the Nets, yes. which every, everybody knew that the real NBA Finals was the Western Conference Finals uh, that year. That's not the case this year. You know, there's too many good teams out there, so I think it's going to be difficult. But as a Lakers guy, I'm going to stay optimistic. I'm going to be praying to the basketball gods, and I'm going to say that, that the Lakers get there. 
Um, on the other side of things, on the for the Eastern Conference, I don't think the Bucks have as clear of a path as a lot of people went into this thinking. I think the Raptors are better than people give them credit for. I think the Celtics can make some noise there too. I'm going to say Milwaukee gets there, but it's not going to be an easy path for them um, at all either. So there's going to be some some struggles there. I'm going to go Milwaukee Lakers in the finals, and again, praying to the basketball gods. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm going to say the Lakers take it. I'm going to say it goes. Uh, it's got to go seven games if you're going to put those two teams together. Yeah, I'm I'm. Uh... I think the Lakers definitely get to the Western Conference Finals. I think because of how challenged they're going to be in the first two rounds, I think the Clippers are going to get them um, mm-hmm. there when they get there. I just think I just think I can see the Lakers just being worn out. Yeah, and just, that's fair. You know, they're going to have battled. I think the Clippers. Um, you know, I we already said I think they're going to get through Dallas in five. I think they'll get through Denver. You know, not easily but you know relative ease and i think that's going to leave them a little bit fresher and ready to go and you know and i'm looking forward to a battle there but my preseason pick was bucks over clippers that's what i picked i'm um you know fortunate that you know here we are almost to what should be the start of the next season and it, it's still alive <laughs> you know and it's still a reasonable pick so i'm sticking with it and i'm going with bucks and seven over the clippers in the finals i i'm with you i think the bucks are going to be challenged i think miami's yeah. going to make them work in the second round and i think boston's going to beat toronto and i think boston's going to push them in the East finals too, but I think that's going to be better for Milwaukee because I think they're really going to be honed in and ready to go by the time they get to those finals. And I just, in the end, I, I did, the way um, Giannis has played this year on both ends of the floor, he's just kind of every once in a while that guy's that man on a mission, and yeah. he just kind of has that look to me where I just I, I don't know. I think they've got enough depth. If you know somebody you know misses a week with a rolled ankle, I think they just plug in whoever's next and they just roll along so yeah i'm going with bucks over clippers but i you could tell me any of the top three or four teams in each conference get to the finals i'm putting miami is the i know they're the fifth seed but i'm putting them over indiana yeah get to the finals and i i can definitely see it like i just it's a weird year you know it I is think, you know weird things are going to happen in the bubble and you know go- goofy stuff is is going to go on but but I, I, th- I think we really do have seven or eight legitimate teams that that uh can win the title but more importantly i know those seven or eight teams i'll believe that they can win the title and i think that to your point is going to give us a fantastic playoff well and i think what you're saying here about the bubble and kind of the weird dynamics uh, and we've already seen it happening. I mean, the Suns going 8-0, and TJ Warren blowing up. Like, we've got weird stuff going on in the bubble, and I think that's yeah. going to add an even further element of unpredictability to this. Like, trying to figure out... Like, we can say, okay, this is probably going to be a 5-1 series, or, or sorry, 4-1 series, five games, and, and all of that, but there is an unknown factor here in terms of playoff basketball inside the bubble with no fans... I'm expecting there to be some strange things that go on and, and some unexpected happenings for sure. So who knows? Who knows exactly the way it's going to go? But I think no matter what, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, keep an eye on young role players mm-hmm. who traditionally struggle in road games in the playoffs in front of hostile crowds. Look for them to maybe step up and have better games than what you're used to. And, you know, and all kind of the key teams have a guy or two like that. And I think that's, you know, that could ultimately be the difference in a win or two is those those young guys just not not uh not 
faltering, you know, on right. the road in front of those hostile crowds um, there. But yeah, it's, um, you know, we said it off the top, the NBA and everybody involved, fantastic job, you know, in this whole thing in the bubble. And I just, you know, I am, you know, I can't wait, man. It's tomorrow, you know, Monday afternoon. Let's go. I'm going to lock in and that's it, man. And then it's, uh, I'll see everybody when I see everybody. You know, if you need something from me, you better get it before lunchtime because it ain't happening after. That's right. That's right. Playoff basketball lock in. I am so fired up. I can't, I can't believe it. And, and I'm excited that now I'm covering this full time. And so I'm going to be right there with you, Keith. I'm going to be watching all these games. This is fantastic <laughs> stuff. So, and, hey, so let, well, let's not step on the story there, man. Like you just throw it out as an aside. You're <laughs> full time at this. So, that's right. you know, what's, what's good about that for you guys, if you like the show is part of the reason why we're so sporadic is it's hard for Trevor's on the West coast. I'm on the East coast. Mm -hmm. It's hard for us to get together with our schedules to figure out times because by the time you're wrapped up with your normal day, I'm already kind of shutting down for the day and calling it a night. So now we can get in and as things happen, especially as the off season gets cranked up and things are going on in the middle of the day, we can just, Hey, all right, let's do it. Let's jump on. Even if it's a, 20 minute show to break something down we'll be able to do that and with what's going to be a compressed weird off season you, you know look for a lot of content out of us coming coming for that because we're, we're we're able to do it now now it's a lot easier for us to you know just you know fire off the text you ready you know give me five minutes to plug in the mic and let's do it that's um, right so yeah man, i'm so psyched for you that you're you know this is what you're going to be doing full time and selfishly i'm excited because that means <laughs> we can do this more often without having to you know go back and forth with 14 different options and then find out well none of them worked this week you know, let's, let's, let's try again right so, yeah yeah 100 yeah, there this is going to allow us to do this way more consistently we're going to be able to do at least once a week we're going to be able to get yeah. in there and break everything down and and yeah i'm i'm thrilled i'm excited i can't wait to get this rolling so and, and perfect timing too with the playoffs being here so let's let's yeah, go <laughs> yeah you did it at the exact right time man absolutely perfect unlike me who did it and then the season shut down for <laughs> four months <laughs> that's right so, yeah yeah no as trevor said off the jump if you like the show you know mm. please out there ratings and reviews if you're listening um through apple podcast uh five star ratings if you you know if you like the show those really do help us tell a friend too um you know where we're gonna be here where we're gonna keep breaking down the playoffs as it goes um we did not get into any of the coach firings and those kind of things we didn't do any other offseason previews but again we've got time now so we'll be able to do do those things as we we kind of come back uh and get get this figured out we're going to probably spend some time i would say over the next week in the morning for you well morning for me too before the games mm-hmm. start um we we will talk and come up with a you know plan for what works for us to to get things going but yeah guys you know the, the nba is here you know playoffs are getting cranked up enjoy it you know i know we're super excited i know we're excited to have you with us along through the whole way yeah that, that couldn't have said it better myself that's a great way to finish things off guys make sure everybody out there everybody out there i know we, we're living in tough times So make sure you take care of your family, stay safe, and we'll see you next time.